Heart Farm Select Harvest USA podcast studios in beautiful Orland, California. This is Nut News, the show where you'll swear I'm nuts because all we're going to talk about is almonds. And if you really think this is a live show, well, you're probably overestimating my ability to talk coherently. But I suppose that's why when it comes to talking sustainability on our farms, I invite Darren Titus to the show resident expert for all things happening on our farms and farm manager at Heart Farms, Darren Titus. Welcome back. <laughs> Thank you, Alan. That was that's quite the intro. Well, I have to say thanks as well for putting us uh, up today in the uh, Heart Farms studio. Um, and there is some truth to, to the live because we're face-to-face this time. Uh, you know, we obviously work together, but uh, in the podcast environment, usually we're behind screens in our own offices uh, potentially hundreds of miles away from each other so it's uh, kind of nice to actually be here face to face so thanks again for hosting today yeah no absolutely yeah welcome to the farm so last time we you and i spoke you know we took a broad stroke to the sustainability topic uh, and there's obviously a lot going on right i mean from nutrient management bee health the the composting operation we have going on here there's a lot and we'll eventually touch on all of them but it's really kind of hard not to be in California and be in the almond business right now and not, you know, at least touch on drought, um, which I guess then kind of leads us into, well, let's talk about, you know, our water use. So um, that's kind of why I I wanted to circle up again today. And I know you know that, but uh, for the listeners out there, that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about water. We're going to talk about water on the um, almond uh, orchards. So Darren, let me throw that back to you and um, this drought, right? It, you hear it all the time. It seems severe. How severe is it? Like, what are the impacts for almond growers right now, um, you know, perhaps in general, and, you know, maybe more specifically what we're dealing with on our farms right now as a result of this drought? Well, to put kind of put it into perspective, I mean, for us up here in the North State, the Orland area, uh, particularly, you know, Glen and uh, Tehama counties, we're, you know, the average annual rainfall is somewhere in that 18 to 20 inches. Last season's total cumulative rainfall was uh, just over six inches and the previous year was at uh, was at nine so the last drought we had back in uh, 13 14 and 15 as we you know moved through those consecutive years of of drought we still averaged you know a little over nine to ten inches annually back then so it's dramatically worse this year we're feeling that it's almost like having three dry you know abnormally dry years rolled into you know 18 months so we're seeing it we're feeling the effects from it Um, everybody's squeaking by this season 2021's we're going to wind up getting through it but you know we're really really focused on what's going to happen and you know when where our business is going here in 2022 so you know, I, I guess drought means less water. So, I mean, is that really what we're dealing with? I mean, are, are we enabled to get sufficient water or like, I mean, again, what does that really mean from a practical standpoint for a grower? Yeah. So you've got your, you know, there's, you have surface water storage, which is the um, wintertime runoff, both from rainfall and the, um, and the, uh, and the snowpack through um, early spring. And, um, and then we, have the wintertime runoff when the tributaries and the creeks are flowing and and the rivers uh, moving water down through it. That um, is the biggest part. Is is provides the recharge in our area. So um, and unfortunately, we haven't had any of that in the last two seasons. And so as you know, as we're 
as we're um, uh, utilizing the uh, the balance of our water budget this year from from our surface water and with the storage, which is is diminishing quickly, we're having to rely a lot heavier on uh, on our groundwater to augment um, our irrigation needs. So, yeah, it becomes a slippery slope a little bit. We're trying to, you know, we're it means that we need to be more efficient with we need to be as efficient as we can be with our water application, our irrigation events that that occur in the fields. Yeah, I mean, because let's face it, right? We're we're growing a plant, we're growing almonds. They they need water one way or another. And you know, I'm glad you point out efficiency. I mean, that's really kind of what we're here to talk about, right? We're talking about sustainability and being someone who's come from outside of the almond industry, right? You know, I'm and I'm sure even us inside are aware that a lot of the narrative out there is well, almonds are they're taking all the water, right? And you know, the reality is again, like yeah, we're, we're taking water to plant. We got to water this thing, um, you know, but I guess the, the thing is that that narrative really lacks s- s- some context. And so I think one of the things that I, I wanted to, to kind of touch on is, you know, the California Almond Board as the kind of the industry head and the liaison and, you know, someone that really takes, you know, sustainability as, you know, seriously and helps bring that out to growers in a broad scale from the 1990s to the 2010s, the Almond Water California has calculated that the water used to produce a pound of almonds was reduced by 33%. And that's a, I mean, that's a significant number in, in water reduction. And so the first thing is, I mean, do you think that's accurate? I mean, have we really cut 33% water use over that time? Technology has in, in, increased dramatically with respect to just the efficiency of application. So there's pressure compensating inline emitters on drip irrigation. We're dealing with, we're using, you know, micro sprinklers, fan jet sprinklers, very, very precision type equipment that is, you know, located directly under or adjacent to the, uh, you know, a root zone in a in those orchards and it allows us to be very precise with um you know with our with our water with our irrigation events and um i know exactly to the to the flow to the gallon per minute per acre during an irrigation cycle on what we're you know what we're applying and um you know at the end of the day it's it it creates a very efficient environment in which we can, uh, you know, maximize the, you know, our, our water usage, or I should say, our water, you know, the need to ir- the, the necessity to irrigate those trees. Well, I don't mean to cut you off, but I, I guess a couple things kind of come come to mind that I wanted to, to clarify on. So, you know, drip irrigation. You know, I, I'm a I'm a gardener. I, I use drip irrigation, or you know, kind of the I don't use the, the fan jets like we have out here on the farms, but you know small area concentrated water applicators to, to some degree. Right. And, you know, a couple of things that kind of come to mind is like, well, in the farm, what, what was the alternative, right? So where did we come from? Right. So we're claiming that we've made 33% reduction because in part, right. We're using these, which makes sense, I suppose, if you understand what we had been using. So let me ask first, like what, what was the alternative prior to, to these, you know, drip irrigation fan micro sprinklers that we were using and, and how were, were the, the previous systems perhaps inefficient where we now have gained efficiencies? Initially, it started out where depending on where you were at, 
in the region, if you were, you, flood irrigation was the primary source of irrigating. I mean, you would, you'd, uh, you know, you'd level the ranches and uh, level the ground and, and put a uh, specific slope on it and then plant the uh, orchard. And then you farmed it and you irrigated it via the um, flood irrigating and then flood irrigation. Then it went to a little bit more of the high, you know, uh, pressure systems where they brought in aluminum sprinkler pipe and you had multiple irrigation sets that occurred and you move the pipe, march the pipe through the fields. And, um, and then um, those were all on those, on the large rainbird impact type sprinklers. And then things kind of moved to solid set irrigation. And it was the same idea as the aluminum hand lines, but they were fixed they were buried in the ground and then we um you know you'd turn it on and you you lost the labor component of having to move the move the sprinklers but what we started doing was started being able to measure what our distribution uniformity was in those fields based off of you know our coverage because wet is wetter in some areas depending on where that overlap is and and it could be drier in some you know some spots um and so we we were trying to you know as as the as more and more trees were planted and more and more acres were uh, developed and the irrigation technologies increased from the manufacturers and suppliers who developed far greater sprinklers and application devices that became very, very precision based. It's really, really allowed us to pinpoint the, um, our water usage and, and deliver it in a very, very strategic fashion. So, so, okay. So the idea here is we're, you know, like a flood irrigation. I think you can, you can imagine where there's probably ground that, doesn't need to be water that's being watered. And maybe the same thing with an impact sprinkler, um, or as you point out, you're providing extra water here and less water there. Um, so there's a balance, maybe you're, you're overwatering in certain instances, underwatering in others, you know, but again, I'm going back to, to my experience as, as a home gardener. And again, I, I use, I use drip irrigation and, you know, I'll go off on a little bit of a tangent here. I, well, I think one of the first times you and I spoke there and I was complaining to you that my tomatoes, grow huge and I never get a harvest off of them. And one of the things that came out of that conversation was you were telling me, well, it really comes down to water. And, you know, you were advising deep water and then more or less stressing them in between. You let them go without for a little bit, um, you know, and drive that root zone down. And it's just how the the plant really likes it. And, you know, I so I tried drip irrigation, uh, you know, the same way and like, okay, I'm going to water the shit out of this, excuse my French, and I'm going to get it really down deep because that's, you know, the, the mantra that I had. And I, yet I still had the same problem and it kind of comes down to like, okay, so this year, well, what, what am I going to try this year? I'm going to try hand watering because now I can better stress them, right? Because I'm forcing myself to be out there and I can watch them, but we can't, you can't stress an almond tree to a point where it's wilting. Like, like you can a like a can of tomato plant or so I'm assuming, right? So I guess the real question I have to you, right, is like that's how I'm validating my water system at at my garden. But if if you're gonna make the claim that we're reducing our water because of this, like there has to be a validation step to this. So how are we validating that the these new systems that we're putting in place are actually more efficient in the water consumption? Yeah. And so the efficiency part of it is is you know and I'm trying to compare, I'm just comparing as far as, you know, in a macro sense, just the three main 
the main style, you know, styles of irrigation as, as that. And, and a lot of them are still, I mean, a lot of growers still use, still flood irrigate their trees. And I'm not saying that it's any less or more efficient depending on the, the depending on what, uh, how you're measuring um, when those irrigation events need to happen. And that's essentially what we are kind of leading into is, is that we have the tools and technology and it's only going to continue to improve in order to really verify and validate those when it's necessary for and for us to irrigate our trees. So essentially, the measure of the evapotranspiration that occurs <clears throat> daily, and that is the tree's rate of um, how how much water is required for the tree to transpire for respiration and transpiration and uh, on a daily basis. And then we verify that with using the, by taking a, uh, um, a leaf sample and doing and measuring the stem moisture potential. And then along with having volumetric soil moisture meters that are out in the fields and just kind of kind of putting all that information together i we're not using just one over the other and and saying hey this is this is it and this is that um it's just it, it's a snapshot and it's just it's a it's a snapshot in time and it gives you an idea of where you're at and really when we're irrigating when we have an irrigation event we're trying to we're trying to deliver the water. What am I trying to say? When we when we have an irrigation event, we are um, when we irrigate our orchards. We're trying to provide just enough water to satisfy that tree, in order to maximize its growth and yield potential. Not any more, not any less. Well, and I'm glad you say that because this goes back to one of the comments that you made, and I'm going to paraphrase this back in our first conversation about sustainability. And it really boils down to the reality that a business itself has to be sustainable. And that's not from an environmental perspective. That's just, you know, dollars and cents, right? You can't spend more than you make on a consistent basis. Anyways, the business itself has to run. And in order to, you know, undertake certain environmental sustainability practices, it has to, it has to work into that broader business calculus, right? And I'm, I'm going to assume here that it costs money to put water in the orchard. And it just makes good business practice to try to figure out the best strategy. So that like you said, you're putting on just enough water at the exact right time because you don't want to waste it, your water because it's tied to an expense. That's exactly right. And then the efficiencies as far as the have improved as such where we can, we stretch that one acre inch or one acre foot to the point where we're 94 to 96% efficient with that inch of water. So knowing that when we put that, uh, when we put that, uh, uh, inch of water on that field that that the response we should see is is that you know the trees would re react as 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 we would expect, and then we have the tools to measure that response, which is fantastic. Um, 
when all else fails, you have to check the patient. And regardless of all the tools that we have and all this instrumentation, you uh, you can't take the uh, you can't take the uh, make a farmer out of someone who's not who doesn't have the sixth sense or the you know the ability to understand what you're trying to accomplish. It's definitely yeah it, it, it is definitely a has become a huge our irrigation expenses have definitely become a you know in the top three or four on our uh, um, you know on my cultural budget. Uh, with respect to expenses on a, on what we're doing, and we're and we're trying to trying to be as efficient as possible to uh, to make sure that we're we're being um, efficient. Yes, I am. Well, and I know that you know in areas that have to rely more on surface water, particularly down Central Valley South, you know you're you're talking. I mean, what last I heard, like twenty five hundred dollars an acre foot. You know, and at least us up here, we have the ability to tap into the groundwater a little bit more. So um, for, you know, a variety of reasons, which we, you know, it's not the topic today, but, you know, when you talk about the expense of watering, it is expensive. But even when you're pulling groundwater, right, I mean, you have, you have the expense of the, of the pumps and the electricity that we're using, which I'm assuming, we're, are we using electricity now? I mean, I, I remember going through the farms and you'd see these big old clouds of diesel smoke coming up there, but I don't see that much anymore. And we've, we, we have we gone to, to, to fully electric on that? Yeah, we pretty much phased out all of the um, diesel um, gear drive pump stations. So everything's been converted to electricity. And then, as you've seen through, you know, through driving around the farms and whatnot, that the uh, we've actually have pulled, um, you know, areas of trees out and, and put in uh, our solar arrays to offset those, you know, the energy costs and, and um and help us be a bit more sustainable on our end of it from a, from an energy standpoint. Yeah. I mean, uh, solar power is a lot more, uh, environmentally friendly than billowing, uh, diesel fumes out there when you're trying to put water on there. For sure. And out of where we, you know, and, and, and there still is, there's still areas and regions that, uh, that, you know, it's just not conducive to get, to get power, uh, out there to them with, with all of the clean air requirements, um, that have, come down the pike here and over the last decade, um, our, um, our engines have all been upgraded and, and where we, where we don't have that electrical option to, to the point where, you know, they're all particular filtered and, um, in some cases running deaf on the new, new motors. And that's just kind of the sign of the times and, and we're thankful for it. So Darren, it sounds like we made a lot of strides and, you know, I'm thankful that you've you know, given us that insight of what we're doing here on our, our farms, um, you know, and the almond board, you know, as the driving force behind a lot of the sustainability pieces uh, in the industry, um, you know, they're targeting an additional 20% by the year 2025 in reduction in, in water use, right? And remember, we've, we've already come 33% by, by their measure. So we're looking at a, another significant push here. And I'm someone, again, who's relatively new to the industry. And, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm learning and I'm changing my perspective, but again, as someone who has been on the outside more recently than not, you know, my thinking is, well, heck, all right, so we're going to cut another 20%. We're good. That means those uh, people down in, uh, you know, that are doing flood irrigation and impact sprinklers, like they're the ones that are going to have to get forced to change. I mean, is that really what's happening here? Or, you know, are there other ways that we're gaining that 20, 20%? Yeah, no. And the answer to that is no, not necessarily. I think that 
I mean, well, let me rephrase it. Am I, am I incorrect in characterizing flood irrigation and impact sprinklers as being inefficient? Inefficient, yeah, for the most part, yes, yes. And it, it's understanding what the application is, what you're trying to accomplish, right? Where you flood irrigate an orchard in order to irrigate. Well, how much water did you put out? Well, I, I, I mean, I have an idea. You know, the pump's uh, 500 gallons a minute or 800 gallons a minute over, you know, the 18 hours or 24 hours or 36 hours it took to uh, to irrigate the field. You know, there's a benefit to having a good, solid, deep irrigation. You can accomplish that same with the um, with impact sprinklers. A lot of it depends on what infiltration rates and are of your of your particular soil. The efficiency, how I look at it on... It sounds nice where we are, our goal is to continue to get more and more efficient. I think how we're going to be able to measure that is the tools in the toolbox and, and, and how we can really monitor the trees and find out how the trees are, you know, how our orchards are responding to the irrigation events, right? Like, so you go out and you go put, you, we irrigate our field. And we look at it and we say, okay, well, it, it's it's been seven days and the tree requires a quarter inch per day. So I need to go put an inch and a half on and that will get me back essentially to zero. Well, certain soil types have the ability to have a lot greater water holding capacity than others. And so when you do those flood irrigation events, if you are flood irrigating or you have run an impact sprinklers, the efficiencies vary dramatically. Also, so you, you do that maybe we, if we put on that amount, we'd be watering every seven days, but they they might be watering every nine, 14 days or something like that because of the, the water or the, the soil can hold that moisture better? Absolutely. And it just it depends on where you're at, where you're located and knowing what your what your soil classes and and what they're capable of doing you know in our case we do a very very low application low low volume a little higher frequency our soils have a tendency to be a bit hydrophobic meaning they have a hard time taking the um with low percolation rates and so we just we spread it out and so we typically drive i'm driving the water that's why the micro system for on our farms works the best i feel in our situation, but that doesn't pertain to everybody. Everybody has a very unique region uh, that they farm within, and then they, you know, and, and what works for them varies from one grower to the next. So let's take a short break. I think that's a good place to pause. And listeners out there, whether you need one or not, you're going to get a break. So I suggest you go and grab a bag of Select Harvest almond snacks, almonds, whatever your favorite flavor is. Sesame is mine, and bring it back because it's better for you than popcorn. And we got lots more in our conversation on water. We're going to talk validation and maintenance, as well as soil health and nutrient management, as it all pertains to water and water delivery systems. Lots more to come. We invite you back. It'll be in episode two of our water sustainability conversation. Find it on your favorite streaming service or heck, wherever you're listening to this one, I'm sure it's there. Just hit play on the next episode or Come back, selectharvestusa.com under the news and resources tab. The only thing you really need to remember is I'm nuts. And why? Because you're listening to Nut News. 